Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey friends, good morning. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. And it is really good to be with everyone here in person and with everyone online, too. I was just there saying good morning and you know, nice little crowd on Zoom as well. So we are just uh, grateful to be able to meet in these different ways, these different spaces, but one community. We are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. Um, for those of you who are here in person, uh, especially because I know we have some new faces here this morning, we always want to make sure people know where the bathrooms are. Um, it's my favorite part of the service. Everybody knows that. Um, so behind us, there's a, a door that you can just take a hard left up a little staircase, and there's a bathroom right there. There are also two bathrooms right on this corner. There are brown doors kind of around this corner area. And the trick with those is because this is an elementary school and those are the staff bathrooms, they're bolted open. So you'll be able to pull it open, go do what you need to do, and then when you come back out, you actually need to deadbolt it again so that it doesn't lock behind you. It'll deadbolt open. Might sound confusing, but you'll get it when you see it, okay? All right, glad you guys are here. And I'm Bill White. I am the other co-pastor here at City Church, and it's uh, good to be with you guys. So we like to take a brief moment at the beginning here to, uh, to talk a little bit with our kids. And so sometimes we ask the kids to talk a little bit with us. We're in a sermon series talking about the kind of the overlap between ancient wisdom and modern positivity science, uh, happiness science, you might call it. And uh, today we're talking about our bodies and how uh, using our bodies matters, and it matters to God, and it matters to us. And so I want to invite, if there are a couple of kids, I have a question for the kids um, about bedtime and rest. How do you prepare for your body to rest and go to sleep at night? Do you have any bedtime routines with the adults in your lives? If there are any kids who want to kind of give a little coaching on this, I'd love to hear. Uh, Lucy, you're more than welcome to share as well. I mean, totally fine. Totally fine. But uh, is there is there anybody who wants to share a little bit about what you guys do at bedtime? Yeah, you can come on up, Asher. Anybody else? Yeah, you, you're more than, you can come on up, sure. Yeah, Kai, come on up. All right. We're going to hear from a couple of people. All right. This is fantastic. Come on up, Edith. All right, we're going to start. Uh, hey, Kai, why don't we start with you, dude? What, um, tell, tell us something. What do you like? Here, why don't you turn and face these people? Uh, why don't you stand? Actually, actually Kai. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, you're fantastic. All right, tell us a little bit. What, what's one thing that you do at bedtime that helps you get ready to go to sleep? Um, I'm reading books. You read books? Are they usually funny books? No, I love how. That's so awesome. So you like to read books, and that helps. I have grade <laughs> Sounds a little bit intense, I'll be honest. I mean, but it's it's Halloween month. No, JoJo, you don't need to defend yourself. It's okay. You're accepted and loved. <laughs> Kai, thank you for sharing. And marbles, playing with marbles. Great. Um, and, and lollipops before bed? Okay, all right. Um, Asher, do you want to tell us a little bit what, what's one or two things you do with the adults in your life at, at bedtime to help you kind of prepare to, to rest? Read 
gratitude journal. You do a gratitude journal. What, what is such a thing? I don't know what this is. Well, technically, we, we go through our day and all fails the things that are good and that we can have gratitude for in the day. So you go through your day and you think back about all the things that were good. Wow. That's kind of cool. That's kind of deep. All right. We appreciate that. Nice work. That was incredible. Edith, what, what do you do? At, what's one thing that you do at bedtime that helps you get ready to go to bed with your a song? Oh, you do a song. Is it, now, is it the same song every night or is it a different song? Uh, it's a different song. And who do you get to pick the song or does one of the adults get to pick the song? Uh, one of my adults. Yeah. So, and you like to sing and it's kind of fun. That is such a great idea to sing before bedtime. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Edith. You are a rock star. Oh, so good. Well, there are lots of different ways that, um, you know, we prepare ourselves to rest, to take care of our bodies, to sleep. That's really beautiful. Thank you, uh, kiddos, for, for helping us. So I'm going to pray for the kids, and then the kids will be released to go hang out with Diani and Matthew. Kids, you can stay with your parents if you want, or you can go down yonder, and they have a craft and stuff like that. So let me pray. God, thanks for awesome kiddos. They're amazing. Help us continue to learn uh, from the children in our lives. Bless the kids here at Lafayette Elementary School as well. Um, and take care of their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, and with that, I think I'd like to introduce our awesome preachers today. So Donna Berkland, who is our church planter in residence. If you would welcome up Donna Berkland. And Gabe Pancis, her co-preacher, who he does all kinds of things. I'm, I don't know. Maybe do you want to introduce Gabe? And like, I don't know how to brag best about him, but you can. Hi, everyone. Hi. So um, a few things about Gabe, because I think a lot of you already know a lot about me. Um, Gabe, we've known each other for, what, eight years now? About, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't we lead a young adult? Like ministry together, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we you did. were a leader. I was like giving advice. <laughs> it was <laughs> well, weird. You, I think, I think, it, yeah. So we've done ministry together, and then you mm -hmm. also do ministry. You do campus ministry, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, I work with Epic, which is an Asian American campus ministry, and I, I co-lead the team here in Southern California. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, well, okay. So those kids already knocked it out of the park. I. Um, need to take some notes from them. I heard gratitude journal, and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get on that. <laughs> um, but actually, the irony in this sermon, so we're talking about bodies, and we're talking about rest today, and the irony is I had a long week. I haven't rested yet. And um, with that, I had the option last night, do I prepare for this sermon, or do I watch anime? And I chose anime. <laughs> because I needed to take care of myself. So this might be a mediocre sermon. This might be a good sermon. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to do our best. But welcome to City Church. We are valuing rest over production here, and that's kind of our goal, too, with our Orange County plant as well. So as Bill mentioned, we are talking about happiness science. So this is the science of happiness. This is new. It's modern. But what's really cool is that a lot of happiness science has its roots in ancient wisdom. 
And so the ancient wisdom of embodiment is not new. And yet, I think along the way we lost, uh, we lost track of embodiment as a Western society. I'm reading this book. It's called The Wisdom of Your Body by Hilary McBride. And um, she talks about this idea of embodiment and how we've lost it as a Western society. And so I'll go ahead and read a quote from her book here. She says, Western philosophical influences like Gnosticism, the Greek thinker Plato, and later Descartes, whose theories influenced the development of the Enlightenment, all had a significant influence on widespread religious, philosophical, and cultural thought. They influenced a popular line of thinking that went something like this. The soul and the mind are distinct from the body. The soul and the mind are distinct from the body. Now, as, a West, as the Western church, and if you grew up in church, this might sound familiar, but this concept of the mind versus the body, that we're against each other in, in a duality of, of sorts, might sound something like this in church. I am a wretched sinner in need of a savior. I can't trust my body. It's wicked and evil. And maybe some of us have heard that in some form or fashion, maybe not as harsh. Maybe it was lighter than that. But that's just the kind of thought process that we have in our Western society. I think, therefore, I am. We have this obsession with this, uh, with what we're thinking, what we believe, not necessarily what we do. Now, embodiment or embodied faith says something a little different. It says the mind, soul, and body are connected. And that there's a way to worship and love God and others with our bodies as well. So the irony is that we've, I think, we've cherry-picked scripture to fit this idea of mind versus body. But I think scripture actually says a lot about embodied faith. In fact, if you look at some of our key figures like Adam, Enoch, Moses, you begin to see that their, their knowledge of the divine was because of divine presence that they had with God. So their, their pre the presence and the, the um, divine um, experience they had is what informed their knowledge of God. And so today, we are going to try to look at what this concept of including the body in our faith looks like, and including our bodies will require rest. Because I believe the Western Evangelical Church has failed to love thy neighbor as ourselves. Because oftentimes we focus on the mind, which actually hurts the soul because it neglects the body. We focus on our mind, which actually hurts the soul because it neglects the body. Friends, we are called to an embodied faith, and we are called back to our bodies. And so to help us get started, I'm going to invite my friend and Gabe's wife, <laughs> Heather, up to read scripture for us. Now, we do want to preface this a really long uh, passage. So, uh, yeah, be prepared. Thanks, Heather, for reading the long passage for us. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Wow, that was so long. Thanks for it. I, I think sh walking took longer than, than, what, than her saying the verse, but that's really cool. Uh, yeah, 
love God with all our strength. We kind of miss that usually, right? We think about loving God with our mind or we love God with our heart and our feelings, but we miss out on, on what does it look like to love God with our bodies and with our strength, right? This embodied faith that Donna was talking about that we don't really think about or we don't really recognize like, oh, that's what we're doing. Um, and, and yet there's this reality that like an embodied faith, a returning to our bodies is one of the ways that we love God. And in part, this means that we actually need to care for our bodies, right? This rest that we're talking about. Um, because when we care for our bodies, we honor and appreciate what God has given us, and thus we love God. So we need to connect to our bodies. We need to actually pay attention to it, listen to it, and care for our bodies and meet its needs. Because all too often, we ignore it, right? We push past its injuries. We push past our limits. We... We kind of do this intentionally sometimes where we sleep less or we'll stay up late or we'll skip meals or just take a quick meal to just so that we can move on to the next thing. Um, just because it's just not as important. And sometimes it's because it's unintentional because our schedules and our rhythms just have no, has no gaps in it. Um, like I said earlier, I work with college students and some of them come from lower income families so they have to take part-time jobs. Um, and then so their schedule becomes class to work to homework to home and family responsibilities and then to even then go and do church fellowship things or do do Jesus things the, which they enjoy but also because they have to do it and there's just no gap and it's just one thing from the next to the next and there's just no breaks and there's there's a feeling like oh they can't rest and they can't be tired uh, and sometimes we feel like that too where where we just have to use up all our strength uh, for God and and just not not be tired or even when we're tired we push through until until we can't survive anymore um, and then there's also also this reality and this good news is that oh we do listen to our bodies already we we kind of have this practice a little bit right we do make sure that we eat we do make sure that we sleep at least a little bit we make sure that we take medicine when we're too sick. Um, but this reality is that, like, we only do it just so that we can survive. Um, just so that we can keep going. Um, just so that we don't die, kind of thing. And, and I think there's more to caring for our bodies and more to connecting to our bodies and having this embodied faith than, the, than just survival. Um, I'm going to read... Read a verse, and you can see on the chat if you're on Zoom. It's on Matthew 8, 23 to 27, where Jesus just models us something different. It says, Then he got into a boat, and the disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Usually when we think of this verse and the story, we talk about, oh, Jesus has control over nature and control over the storm, and that's really cool, and just a show of Jesus' strength and his power and just how much authority he has. But I think we miss what Jesus does with his body right before he calms the storm, right? Uh, he, he sleeps. Uh, if you look in your digital handout, there's pictures today, which is really cool. Uh, and in the first picture, 
uh, I'll, I'll let you catch up a little bit, is, is a picture uh, that Van Gogh painted for, for this. So they may look a little white just because of that. But we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on how the rest of just how chaotic the, pic the, the setting is, right? You can see or uh, imagine the waves and the winds and just creating this storm where, where there's just chaos. Uh, and the disciples are just kind of like scrambling all around or they're freaking out. There's like one that looks like he's seasick or just like just holding on to, on, onto for his life. Uh, and there's some that's trying to just survive and fix the mast or whatnot. And some are just trying to wake up Jesus, right? And there's this chaos. And everyone's running around. And there's a demand for Jesus to save them. And what does he do? He, he sleeps. He's sleeping. Uh, right? He's tired. Right before, right before they got into this boat, Jesus just did a bunch of healing, just did a bunch of teaching. And his body is just telling him he's tired. So he listens to his body, and he sleeps. And I think Jesus invites us to do the same. To have this faith in God's power and control that we can listen to our bodies and meet its needs. That it's even okay and normal to be tired. And in that tiredness, slow down and rest. Because God is in control, right? It does, it, we can rest. Um, and it would be weird to talk about embodied faith and just what, how we love our bodies uh, with God um, and, not, and just talk about it. Just do it verbally and not do anything with our bodies right now. So we're going to do something a little different. So wherever you are, wherever you're on Zoom or you're here in person, you can get comfortable in your seat. Um, in Zoom, you have the power to change where you're sitting just so that you can be more comfortable. Um, but just relax. Relax in your seat, and we're going to breathe. Right, so we're gonna inhale and exhale, and we're gonna inhale and you're gonna hold it for four, and exhale for four. And then you can close your eyes if that relaxes you. You can keep them open. If your eyes are closed and your body leads you to sleep, go ahead and sleep. That is exactly what your body needs. And, and you'll love God in that way. And you can start paying attention to what your body is feeling, starting from the top of your head to your neck and your shoulders. Maybe as you go to your, to your back, you'll start feeling some tension. And just be curious about that tension. You don't have to hate it. You don't have to be like, trying to get rid of it, but just being curious of like, oh, I have tension there. wonder where that's from. Maybe if you're outside, you can start feeling the wind and the weather on your, on your skin, even your fingertips. And feel on your hips and your butt where you're sitting. Maybe your thighs are touching those things too. You go down to your feet. Just breathe and, and, and recognize and listen to what your body is telling you. And 
and we'll slowly continue and you can slowly look up or open your eyes and you can take your time to do that so um when i started getting really serious about my faith in my early 20s i thought that a mature faith was knowing all the right things about God. <laughs> so I was really into just like reading my, I know, I was, I was, I was a nerd. I still am, I, hence the shirt. Um, and it was only, I think, a few years into my 20s that I realized that a mature faith was probably not knowing all these things. A mature faith was probably more of an embodied faith. And so that's actually when I started to take up therapy and yoga and realized how disconnected I was, how disembodied I was with my body. And uh, just through this time, I realized that um, it was really important for me to get a somatic therapist. So for those of you who are not familiar with somatic therapists, these are people who connect not just your mind, but your body and your soul or your spirit to your healing process. So if you've experienced trauma or you're healing from, you know, something that's difficult, this is a great practice. So in, in therapy, what we do is my therapist will ask me, um, okay, what are you feeling right now? What emotion are you feeling right now? And I'll say, okay, well, um, anxiety, I'm feeling anxiety. Okay, where are you feeling anxiety in your body? Oh, I'm feeling it right here. And for those of you who have the digital handout out or are online, you'll notice that there is a picture. And on that picture, you will see bodies and you will see the words like anger. And those words correlated with a uh, picture of someone of where it would, like where you would feel anger in your body. And so I feel anxiety here. And they did a study and it showed that a lot of people feel anger in those areas that you see anger demonstrated in the body. And kind of the purpose of feeling where you feel your emotions in your body is helping you not just name the emotion, but also understand the, um, maybe understanding where they are will help you be more in tune with your body. And I really believe that this connection of physical feelings to understanding an emotion um, would re really helps with uh, understanding how that emotion, what that emotion is telling me about what the spirit is doing. So for example, four years ago, I was an English teacher. I taught seventh grade. And I remember after class, I was wiping down the whiteboard. And there was just this moment where I just sensed, because I was starting to connect more with my body at this point, I just sensed that it was time to be done with teaching. I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea what that feeling meant. But for whatever reason, I just knew, OK, there's something else. And I knew that I really wanted to do ministry. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And obviously, four years later, my brain caught up to my body, and it realized that um, it would be pastoring, and it would be planning a church. So yeah, sometimes our bodies will tell us what to do before we even know what to do with our minds. And I think what's really important is I don't think the body um, I think that when we're disconnected from the body, we're disconnected from the spirit. I really do believe that. And if we're disconnected from the spirit, 
um, then I think that's when uh, churches especially start to cause a lot of harm. Um, and I think that the importance of being connected to our bodies is that if we neglect the body, we neglect the spirit. And that can not only lead to harm to ourselves, but it can lead to harm to, other, lead to, harm to our others. And so then, therefore, we fail to love others well. Totally disconnection with how we use our bodies to how we love people. Because I think embodied faith and being connected to, to our bodies is also bodily participation with what God is doing. And when we look at the Bible, most if not all the times that God does something with human beings it involves humans using their bodies. Right? Noah builds an ark. Moses raises his arms to split the Red Sea. The Israelites walk around Jericho. And Jesus, Jesus touches when he heals, or he is touched, or touch is involved when he heals. Or there's some type of bodily action involved. And Jesus' body is literally involved in his death and resurrection. Right? And even when, we re even when we connect with God through communion, we think about Jesus' body and blood. So our bodies and how we think about bodies are part of how we partner and engage with God. And that's how we love God. And some of us could think, like, oh, that means we need to serve more. Or, or just keep on using all our energy and capacity to serve God. And you could even question, like, hey, Gabe and Donna, you just talked about rest and connecting with our bodies. What happened to that? Um, and I just want to say clearly that this is not about serving more. Please come and, do, and serve. Um, I'm just a guest here. I don't have any power to do that. Um, but it's still, it's, it's, it's still about listening to our bodies. It's still caring for our bodies. It's being aware of what our bodies are already doing, right, so that we can be more mindful and intentional. It's recognizing that we, what we're doing with our bodies, what we're already doing, is loving God and loving people, and that we can do justice with our bodies. So Brenna and Bill talked about kindness last week and how kindness is hospitality, generosity, and welcoming, and even how kindness leads to justice and how kindness is justice. But in reality, in all the examples that we heard last week, uh, in all the stories, it involves something with our bodies, whether we're welcoming people, sitting with them and eating with them, making food for them, bringing food to them, uh, or just being present physically. All of it involved our physical bodies. It wasn't just thinking and saying things that were kind. It was doing things that were kind. And this, there's this reality that our bodies are made to do things. We're made to move. We're made to act. Um, it's not just made for rest. Um, because when we use our bodies, it helps us be happy and helps us thrive. Right, like I, I like couch potatoing and sitting on the couch because it's restful for me. But if I do it for too long, it just backfires and I just feel gross. Right, I actually need to move and act. Um, there's even there's this reality that when we exercise and when I exercise, we start feeling happy because endorphins and chemicals in our body, and we're just filled with endorphins, which is a chemical in our body. Our brains literally expel endorphins so that we're happy. Um, some people would even ex ex experience this and call this as a runner's high, where after they run, they're just 
they're just super happy. And sometimes they glow. Uh, I don't get the glow. I ran in high school, did not get the glow, but I get the, I get the happiness part. Uh, right, our bodies are just made to move and it helps us, ha it helps us thrive to move and use our bodies. So then we can start thinking about using our bodies in a way that participates more in more of how God's bringing God's kingdom to earth and how that helps us flourish, right? It makes us happy, right? Doing kindness makes us happy. And loving God and loving people with our bodies, not just with our minds and with our words, makes us happy. It helps us thrive. And again, not, not so that we can do more and love more, but just being more aware of like, oh, how can we be more mindful and intentional about how we are using our bodies? Thinking through questions of like, is how I'm using and treating my body good for me? Does it help me thrive and be happy? How are we loving God with our bodies? And how are the ways we are using our bodies loving people? We can be more mindful and intentional about how we are using our bodies to do good, to do justice. And even then, think about like, oh, are there ways that we're causing harm with our bodies, either to ourselves or to other people? And then think about ways of how we can change how we're treating our, our own bodies and using our own bodies. And even taking a step further, we can be mindful about how we're treating and thinking about other people's bodies. Because the way we think about their bodies and the way we treat their bodies is the way we love God and love people. Now, I was trying to think of an example from my own life of when I saw someone display what Gabe just pointed out, which is loving people and, loving and honoring their bodies. And one of the main examples that I thought of was my experience in campus ministry. <laughs> and um, for those of you who have been in ministry ever, even campus ministry, there's kind of this unspoken rule that you only invest in people that you can take things from. So not like, not like in a, not like all the time, Isabel, but she gave me the face like, really? Uh, <laughs> uh, but just like there's that, you know, okay, I'm going to invest in you so you can be a leader, and then you can invest in other people to become leaders. But what happens when you can't do anything? Do you still invest in that person? And um, that's what my uh, mentor did for me. So I was, I think, a junior in college, and I could no longer lead in this campus ministry. I was exhausted as, um, yeah, I was exhausted and I um, needed to do, that's when I started therapy. Uh, that's when I started taking care of myself. And she did something that went against protocol and she decided to still mentor me anyways. And that was probably my first experience of understanding a little bit of what it looked like to have embodied faith. Um, she taught me that a valuable lesson that being like Jesus is not about expecting anything in return from others. Being like Jesus is not expecting anything in return from others. She decided to go against the, these production expectations of her culture and of her, uh, of her ministry and mentor me anyways. And she pressed into service 
And I think this uh, unconditional love is the gospel lived out. We, I mean, I, so many Christians talk about what the gospel is, and I really do think that this is a, a good example of what the gospel is, is what she did for me. And I would still think, um, if I didn't know her, I would still think that being a Christian was what I thought and what I did. Like, what, you know, how much can I do and how much, you know, and how well can I know, uh, how much information can I know about the Bible? And she showed me that it wasn't, that's not what faith is all cracked up to be. Um, I've seen so many people disheartened by a faith that focuses on celebrity and status and what others can take from you. I've seen this destroy people in churches, literally. I've seen it destroy big churches. But friends, if we, if we live out an embodied faith, if we embody the Christ in service and unconditional love, I think we will be able to breathe life not into just ourselves, but also into others. And I think we can be the kingdom of God as earth, on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus so poignantly put, puts it. So friends, I think our invitation for this morning is for us to reimagine what it looks like to care for our bodies. Because our bo- we are our bodies, and that's a, that's a quote from Hilly, Hillary McBride in her new book. We are our bodies. So that we can love God and love others really well with all our strength. So I'm going to invite Laura Vandernoot up to pray for us.